Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Discover North Korea. I am Zoe from Zoe Discovers, and this week we are talking about a bit of a tricky topic, um, the ethics of visiting North Korea. So before we get stuck into that, I want to say a massive thank you for coming back to the podcast once again, and a little reminder that I am on other social media channels as well. If you don't follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, you can find me there on either at Zoe Discovers or at Zoe Discovers NK. You can also find my vlogs on YouTube, including a 20-minute vlog I did on the ethics of visiting North Korea, if you want a little bit more after this podcast. I don't know about that, though, because this one might be a little bit long, because we are going to get quite deep into a tricky and somewhat sensitive topic here today. So I guess let's get stuck right in. Firstly, travel to North Korea is something I believe in. Obviously. I mean, just as well since I kind of do the marketing for it and all of this social media stuff. But even I do have my moments. You know, is this really okay? Am I marketing good or evil? You know, what on earth am I doing? Um, I get into um, this, you know, existential crisis and I get a lot of I get a lot of, um, you know, a kind of abuse on social media. Um, usually it's the kind of people who don't support what I do and who actively want to go against it that make the comments and send me DMs and stuff. So yeah, it, sometimes it gets to me and makes me think. But at the end of the day, you know, whatever crisis, whatever ethical tourism crisis I get myself into, I have to pull myself back to reality. And, you know, I think back to the North Koreans I know and the North Koreans I've worked with over the years and met on my journeys in the country. They've always been supportive, fun, and genuine. They want more interaction. They look forward to seeing me and to working on projects in the country to develop the tourism. 
actually is kind of sad, but I'd really recommend seeing this um, video on YouTube because genuinely it's one of my favorite videos that I've ever made. It's one of um, the videos that I made in 2019, um, basically the time when I first started vlogging in North Korea properly, just before the closure um, for COVID, but I made a video asking North Koreans their New Year's resolutions. And I asked one of the guides, um, you know, what is your New Year's resolution? And they said that in 2020, they hope to take more tourists to the DPRK than they ever have done before. Obviously, this didn't happen because um, the borders closed shortly after, <laughs> just a couple of weeks after, so that's kind of sad. But um, yeah, if you want to, um, I would really recommend checking out that video. Uh, it's kind of cute all the guides and, and drivers and other people tell me their um, their New Year's resolutions. Anyway, that's over at my YouTube. So anyway, this always helps me come back to my true feelings that it is ethical to visit North Korea. And I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes, the next hour, pretty much telling you why I think that. It's kind of my least favorite thing to discuss, um, but in reality, I think there are some important points here um, that we should consider. And, you know, I do a lot of interviews and, um, yeah, I always talk about this topic actually, but the interviews never seem to include this. And I think it's because at the end of the day, it doesn't include any like sensational stuff. So maybe it doesn't make for good journalism, but there are some important points. So I thought I'd get it over and done with. Um, and then, you know, at least I have somewhere to point people to if they do want to discuss the ethics of North Korea tourism. So let's start on why it isn't ethical, because it's important to kind of view it from both sides. And also, like, I just want to cover the main points of, you know, why people consider it to not be ethical. And I guess those who argue that it's not ethical are mainly concerned with North Korean politics, right? It's well known that there are issues with human rights abuses, concerns of safety, and also supporting a regime. And to be honest, I think that's mainly it. Unless anyone has any other, you know, suggestions on, on why it's not ethical. These are like kind of the main points, at least, that people bring up with me. If you have any more, then feel free to, you know, send them in. But people don't want to support a government that has a record of human rights abuses and that runs the system that it does. There's kind of lots deeper within these points, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's mainly it. So let's tackle these main points and also throw some more in as I tell you why I think it is ethical. Let's start with some myth-busting at first. And on the topic of regime support, one of the biggest myths is my money supports the regime. So, you know, if there is one good thing to come through COVID... <laughs> It's this, it's that I can answer this question um, and say like, you know, it's quite clear that tourism, I mean, I knew it, I mean, it was clear beforehand, but you know, it's really backs up, helps to back up my argument that um, North Korea tourism does not help to support the regime. It does not help to prop up the regime um, because uh, there has been no tourism to North Korea for over three years now. And it definitely seems like they are in absolutely no rush to get it back. Also, can we apply this argument to all countries we, we visit? You know, a country is not just a sum of its politics, and if you want to apply this to the DPRK, then okay, sure. But then, can you apply it 
to other further countries? Do you agree with their politics? A country is so much more, you know, than just its politics, its people, its history, its culture. When you visit the the US, when you visit the UK, when you visit Iran, uh, you know, any country in the world, are you going to explicitly support their politics? Do you even think about their politics? Um, the answer is no. I think for 99% of people, you may not even consider the politics, whether you, whether you agree with it or not. You are not going to support a country's politics when you go and visit a country for tourism. And that's why I do this channel, right? Is to show you this other side to North Korea that's not its politics. It's its people, its history, its culture. And that's true of, you know, all countries, <laughs> which is why we have tourism. You know, if you go to travel to a different country for its politics, for political tourism, to explicitly support the government, then you have done so. You've gone to support the government. Okay, there may be some people that visit North Korea in order to do this. But if you don't do this, if you don't go in order to support the government, then you have not. You know, it's as simple as this. There are some, like, tourism companies or, like, pro-DPRK organizations, such as um, the Korean Friendship Association, that um, provide these kinds of, like, more political tours where you go to support um, the government. But most tour companies are not like this, you know? Like, most North Korea tourism companies are not like this. Uh, Koryo Tours is certainly not like this. So, you know, 99% of tours to North Korea are not explicitly to support the government. You may argue that, you know, everything in North Korea is officially owned by the state, you know, as part of the socialist kind of Juche system upon which the country is officially run. However, in this system, companies have to operate and are responsible for employing people, um, just like any company in the world. You know, most of the money for your North Korea trip goes to uh, the various North Korean partner companies um, that we work with who provide these highly educated, trained and skilled guides for your tour. Surprisingly, you know, they're not government minders, as people would have you believe. They spend a lot of time studying for the jobs that they do. They go to university, probably to the tourism college or to the foreign language university. And then they also go through years of training before they become these tour guides, right? So they're not just random government minders, as some people would have you believe. The money also goes to pay for your hotel rooms, meals, transportation, petrol, entry fees to different things, right? And then not just your tour, but then the money also has to circulate around the company, just like any other company in the world. For example, it goes to the salaries um, of the workers, it goes office space, office equipment, um, you know, questionable paper that rips when you write too hard with a pencil. Honestly, that paper is awful, but nevertheless, it, coffee machines, you know, anything that a company needs, that's where your money is going to. And when you factor in all of that, there is really not much left to go to the government, if it ever was going to. You know, these companies are not ministries, government ministries, they're profit motivated, and they build a profit for themselves into the fees that they charge. You know, a lot of people um, question, like, why is North Korea tourism so expensive? Because the tours are not cheap. But these companies also then pay tax to the DPRK state. 
it, to what amount this is, you know, no idea. But at the end of the day, it goes into the big cash pot of tax. And then it's then used to fund all the good things and all the bad things the state then funds. So, you know, free schooling, roads, armies, hospitals, anything, whatever. This is basically how it broadly works. So money is, you, you can't say exactly where this one dollar from this one person who went to North Korea, where it exactly goes, right? Does it go into the nuclear weapons program? Does it go into a kindergarten? But, you know, would the state, would the government collapse without the revenue from tourism? No, <laughs> because, you know, number one, it's not enough to prop up a whole country, and two, it's been cut off for the past three years, like I mentioned before, and therefore, you know, it's demonstrably untrue to claim that tourism revenue is a materially significant factor in the economics of the North Korean state. Which kind of leads me to my next point, and the next kind of myth. So, my money is being used to build rockets. If you have been keeping up with the North Korean news um, at all recently, then you will know that North Korea has had a whole load of missile tests, um, the most in recent years, okay? And this, combined with the fact that there has been no tourism in the past three years, is a great way to prove my point that um, tourism does not... Uh, it, it, okay, it may help to fund this if you go from my last point of we don't know exactly what this money does and where it goes, but it also shows that without tourism, this is still going to happen anyway. So if you take this money away, if you take the money, the tourism money away from the DPRK state, they are still, you know, there's still going to be missiles, there's still going to be all of that. The only thing that you are taking away by not doing North Korea tourism is the salaries of the North Korean tour guides. This whole industry that is built up and that is a good industry in the DPRK, and I'm going to get onto that later, why it's a good industry to have, but that's all that you're taking away. You know, that the tourism money stays around the tourism industry generally, right? Plus, let's take a look at the North Korean tourism industry, right? It remains one of the least visited countries in the world. Every year it sees, like, a few thousand, at best, Western tourists. And there are way more Chinese tourists, but nevertheless, you know, it's one of the world's least visited countries. <laughs> They'd have to be pretty cheap rockets for them to be built from the tourism industry alone. Plus, <laughs> it has a lot of fingers in other pies. Actually, you know, where does North Korea get its money from for all of these missile tests? No idea, right? Very good question. Um, but this answer lies way deeper than tourism. Um, you know, I got backlash for mentioning this documentary in an Instagram post recently, but whatever. Like, it blew my mind, not in terms of North Korea so much, but in terms of, like, making me feel so small um, and, like, there's so much going on in the world that you can't even imagine. So, just to mention a documentary to, you know, give you a little bit of insight into how many fingers North Korea has in a lot of other pies, um, have a watch of The Mole, okay? Um, and again, I'm kind of terrified to get a lot of backlash on this one, but, uh, this documentary is basically about, um, you know, all of the dirty underground things going on in the world. It's a story of a spy who infiltrates the KFA, the 
Korean Friendship Association. They are a pro-North Korean organization, um, an international one. Um, they've got, uh, you know, um, things in, in various different countries. Um, and without giving too much away, it gets to the point where they're literally about to uproot a community in a country in Africa on an island to build a weapons factory there. Like, it's absolutely mental. Like, this is a true story. This actually happened, and like, in recent years. And this stuff is going on all the time, without us, without normal people knowing about it. And so really, I just want to reiterate, like, there's so much going on that North Korea could be doing to make money. Tourism is so insignificant to that. It may, to some extent, provide money to the DPRK, but it is really nominal compared to everything else. Okay, number three, the myth that we're gonna bust, is they only let you see what you want to see. Ah, man. One of my favorite myths to bust. Ah, and most people don't believe me. Unless you've been to North Korea, it is so difficult to bust this myth for most people because they think that I'm brainwashed, that I'm crazy, that, you know, it's just so hard to believe. And yeah, like, I mean, I kind of don't get why this plays into the ethical argument, but a lot of people bring it up at the same time. So like, you know, for some reason, not being able to walk around by yourself and see what you want makes it unethical. I suppose because it relates to tourism being some kind of propaganda tool for the North Korean government. But whatever. Um, you know, it's kind of sort of true and kind of untrue. Um, and I constantly say that, yes, they only show you what they want to show you, but you can see what you want to see, to a certain extent. So North Korea has got itself into this awful, vicious cycle, right? It knows the media says bad things about it, so it tries to hide these bad things. In turn, this creates more mystery about things and creates more media on them. So, you know, all of a sudden, like, if you are going through the North Korean countryside on the train and you see, like, um an ox pulling um, a cart, or you see like, I don't know, you, you, for some reason in North Korea, like, because you're not allowed to do things, and no matter how mundane these things might be, like, for example, um, if someone tells you like, hey, please don't take a picture of, okay, I gave that example before, so please don't take a picture of this ox, like, pulling a cart, right? I've seen that in so many countries um, that I've traveled to before. Um, but the North Koreans may think it's, you know, really embarrassing. So they don't want to show it um, to the world. So um, I think that someone said this to me in the Northeast when I was traveling in the Northeast. It can be a little bit more strict. And uh, the North Koreans asked me, like, not to take a photo of it or something. And, you know, things like that, they're so mundane. <laughs> they're, they're so boring. Um, but... All of a sudden, because you can't take a picture of these things, then they become super interesting to take a picture of. You're like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to sneak a picture of that. Uh, you know, it's not even interesting. <laughs> so I think that this is the the kind of vicious circle that they've got themselves into. You know, these mundane things that show the this not even bad side, but just like that it's a normal country with with poverty side to it because they don't want to show these things and they actively don't want to show these things that that's the things that people want to see. So yeah, the, the, that's why it gets a bit tricky. Um, and yes, you only see what they want you to see in terms of you being on a group guided tour and therefore they are going to take you to the lovely places of historical importance and interest and go to see beautiful and interesting landscapes because that's what people like to do. But on your way to get to the these places, you can enjoy the daily lives of North Koreans. It's not like 
the curtains are closed on the bus, you can't see anything, you can't take any pictures, right? Like, life goes on all around you, and it's not hidden from you at all. You take long bus journeys through really questionable roads. Like, when you go down to the DMZ, um, the North Koreans joke that you get a free massage because the road is awful, it's bumpy, you know? And that gives you an insight into, okay, this country, you know, may not have a lot of money to maintain all of these roads, right? Um, so you can walk around Pyongyang and... Um, not, you know, not everything is revolved around you. You know, there's around like 20 million people there, each with their own lives, and you can experience it and see it. Um, you know, a lot of this somewhat mundane daily life just by using your own eyes and having an open mind. But you are, of course, on a guided tour, right? No country in the world is going to plan a tour that shows you the bad things about the country. No country, right? <laughs> Most people, especially those working as tour guides, and especially North Koreans, are proud of their country. They want to show it off to guests. Um, they're, they're happy to show you all of the new construction sites. They're happy to show you all of the new things and the things that they're proud of. Um, you know, Pyongyang, this exciting city, the beautiful beaches. They're excited to show you these things. Obviously, they want to show you the nice stuff, right? And it's hardly a secret that tourism is tightly controlled in North Korea. You go in there knowing what you're going to get. These local travel companies, they're instructed to do their best to portray their country in the most positive light. Again, anywhere in the world. They're going, you know, they put forward these official versions of events and generally paint a rosier picture than everyone knows to be true. Again, to some extent, happens everywhere in the world. They, you know, people almost always accentuate the positives and play down the negatives. Um, you know, the extent to th which this is done in North Korea is greater than anywhere else, but again, you go in there knowing that. So, you can have a genuine experience and a taste of real life in North Korea, you can. You just need to understand that, like, you know, you can see many things, but not all the things. <laughs> and we know that, right? We know that when we go into North Korea, and we have to look at it another way. Is it ethical to go and visit places of poverty? Like, is it ethical to ethical to go and visit poor villages and take photos of people walking around without shoes on? Is it ethical to visit prison camps? You know, if you apply this logic to any country, it falls under the, you know, dark tourism category, which sometimes I have a hard time with because it feels like, you know, going to a zoo and looking around at something, um, seeing this poverty that, you know, you take pictures of and then at the end of the day, you may understand about it a little bit more and learn about it, but you know, you are just going back to your hotel room with hot running water and air conditioning and you're leaving. So many people ask me why I don't show these areas of North Korea. You know, the most, the biggest comments I get, especially on TikTok, are like, why don't you show us the prison camps? I'm like, okay, two reasons for this. Like, that's horrific. You know, like that, is that ethical? You want me to go to prison camps and like take pictures there and show you guys, you know, like, I have seen poverty in North Korea, right? I have seen children without teeth in schools, children walking around without shoes on in winter. But for me, like, that's not cool to photograph. I don't want to, like, photograph this poverty. And I think that's the same in any country I ever visit ever. So the other reason, obviously, is that I can't visit prison camps, whatever, obviously. Um, and even if I did, again, I wouldn't want to take photos there, but I do self-censor my content. And I make that very clear. The North Koreans would be pretty upset if I put photos of this stuff and shared it online. So that is another reason why I don't put it up. 
Any country in the world wants tourists to feel welcomed and to have a good time, so they portray this good image of themselves and want you to have a good time in their country. To tell all your friends how great it is, right? There may be tours offered, you know, in the world, like around Chernobyl and Fukushima and stuff like that. You may be going to the... You may take yourselves to the slums of India or even to war-torn areas and stuff, where there's even where there's still conflict going on. Is this ethical? Yeah. Anyway, I'm going down here, down the, the tor ethical tourism spiral again. So, the last myth that I am going to burst here is that it's all fake, all for a show. And I, I kind of touched on that in the previous point, but this is, is, again, maybe I can create a whole episode on this. Because, like, it's one of the things that's, like, this myth is so rife. And it's so easy to believe because of the controlled nature of what comes out of there. But I can promise you... And it's so hard for me to promise you because I know that most people who haven't been there just think I'm crazy when I say this. But like, I, am, I can honestly promise you that this is not true. And most people on a tour get rid of this assumption as soon as they get out of the train station or even as soon as they board the train. Before they board the train, when they see North Koreans abroad buying tickets to the train and stuff, getting on the train, it's all preconceptions and stuff are just shattered because you're like, oh, okay, real people, real life. You know, you get out of the train station and you see life going on around you and you realize, oh, okay, like, actually no one's looking at me. I'm not that important. Life is going on around me. Okay. Uh, you know, also the biggest argument for this is like, okay, you know, Pyongyang Metro is fake, blah, blah, blah. Why have a fake metro system? <laughs> Why have a fake mass dance? Why have a fake coffee shop and department store? Why play a fake game of volleyball when you can just have a real game of volleyball? When you can just have a real coffee shop, a real metro system, a real department store, you know? Like, it that makes no sense to me. And more importantly, you know, honestly, you're not that important. I hate to break it to you, but you don't mean that much to the DPRK government that they do all of that just for you. A pretty insignificant tourist in their country, you know? In reality, they have much more important things to do than to make sure that the country runs a constant show to put on only for tourists, okay? Use your eyes, use your ears, and you can see much more of North Korea. So, um, I feel like uh, this topic I obviously get a little bit passionate about, so sorry if I do um, go on a little bit too much, but these are the kind of things that, honestly, the kind of myths that I burst, like, all the time, and you can imagine, like, as soon as people find out what I do for a living, um, these are the things that people say to me, like, they literally say to my face, like, oh, you know, it's, yeah, but it's all for a show, right, yeah, but it's all fake, right, and <laughs> when someone says that to you for, like, the 50th time, ah, uh, yeah, it gets a bit tiring, um, and also, because I feel so passionately about this topic and I do feel like some like this affiliation with you know not necessarily the country but with the people there and when people try to argue with me people who have never been to the country try and argue with me that it's all fake it really gets to me because I have had such incredible experiences there I've met such incredible people that yeah, it's just a massive shame to me that people, um, you know, they, they give this argument to me. And if for sure, if you want to chat about it with me, then I'm open to discussion. But most people who talk to me about this topic, they, you know, they tell me, okay, yeah, but it's not real. And then they won't have, come in, no, 
come into it with an open mind to discuss it with me. You know, the, and I find that this is the case with like 90% of people who haven't actually been there and who are not willing to go there, you know. Um, so anyway, those are the myths that um, I wanted to bust in terms of um, North Korea tourism and the ethics behind it, but I do have some further points if you are not yet convinced. I promise I will try and um, <laughs> calm down a little bit. So on the topic of people, let's talk about the opening of minds, um, both of your own minds, so both of the minds of international people and also minds of the people inside North Korea. So, the North Korean government controls all news in the country. We all know that. They present a very negative view of foreigners in newspapers and TV. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. At all times. And, you know, even more negative um, in school and stuff like that. You, you know, you walk around kindergartens and you see images of Americans literally being shot um, it's quite intense at times. Um, in newspapers and TV, it largely depends on, you know, how bad foreigners are portrayed, especially, you know, maybe Americans or Japanese, is, um, largely depends on the relations at the time. But, you know, generally it's negative, right? And the image of foreigners held by the North Korean population, for the most part, is vastly more negative than most would imagine. So simply by going there, you don't even have to interact, right? But just simply by going there and showing them like you're a normal person and you're just walking around, maybe you're smiling, laughing, crying, whatever, you know, you're, just, you're a normal human with emotions. Um, just going there, showing them, interacting with the local people, of course, even a small amount, even for a moment, even if you catch their eye, give them a smile, whatever. Um, you get to chat to some people on the street, you chat to some people at a shop, chatting and observing the guides, whatever. This works against the national narrative of foreigners being up to no good. It then can plant a seed that the world is big, there are many foreigners, and maybe, just maybe, <laughs> sometimes, some of them might not be so terrible after all. Right? And I think that's really important. Just being there, you can really open them, the minds and plant the seed to the North Korean people. But of course, going there, you know, you can chat with them, talk to them about your country, talk to them about your culture, um, things that are going on. Um, it's, and, but also, they are a lot smarter and like actually more aware than you think that they might be. Um, my favorite thing is always like, um, tourists love, for some reason, tourists love 
showing the guides Facebook and Instagram. Um, it's hilarious because uh, so many people have shown them Facebook and Instagram that the guides are like, yeah, we know about it. Um, and they don't really care. <laughs> so like, um, you know, you could anyway, you can open the minds on them um, by just being there, but also obviously like talking about your home country, like literally educating them on various things. Um, some of the things they may know, honestly, they are not stupid people. Like they're super clever. Their education system is amazing. They know a lot, probably a lot more history and geography and st stuff like that than you do. Um, certainly for me, like they always teach me a lot. Uh, their education is very, really very good, um, especially with the guides who, you know, will have gone through university and stuff. So um, there's a lot of things that you can teach them, but also don't expect that they're really stupid. You know, they are naive, certainly, about some things, um, but uh, yeah, they're not stupid. And especially the guides, they will know a lot more about the outside world than the average North Korean. And of course, going to North Korea opens our minds as well. And I think um, it's taught me a lot of lessons. Um, I've spoken about it before, taught me a lot of lessons in terms of um, obviously don't believe everything that you hear in the media or at least you know always challenge these opinions stuff like that and you know not just that but you learn that not everything is black and white you know you can you really can learn a lot more another point I wanted to make is that um you know by not going you are isolating further an already isolated nation in this respect they are obviously I isolated from the outside world so why not bring the outside in if you um, use the argument that, um, you know, it's not ethical to go there, well, then I, I kind of use this back in terms of like, okay, you know, you're saying it's not ethical to go there because it's, you know, it's such a closed off country, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know, open it out then a little bit. Um, you know, why isolate them further by not going? Counteract this problem if you think that they're isolated. And a further point I wanted to discuss is you know, ethical tourism in general and the ethical tourist, right? For me, tourism can be ethical only if the intentions are ethical, okay? Tourists visiting North Korea can generally, in this, and this is all my opinion, you know, I didn't put a disclaimer at first, but this, none of this has to do with anyone, any company, any narrative, whatever. This is everything that I say, okay? And generally, I will put North Korean tourists in two, three different categories because people constantly ask, like, what kind of people go to North Korea? And I've kind of categorized them into three different kinds, right? So those, um, the first kind is those who are interested in societies different from their own, be they socialist, communist, um, something else entirely, but looking for an experience that they have um, other than they have every other day. These can also include, you know, some people who actively support um, leftist governments, um, they support socialist communist systems, not necessarily the DPRK government, but um, more kind of, yeah, you know, socialism, communism, or they're, at least they're interested in that kind of stuff. Or just um, people who are interested in this stuff but don't actively support it. Number two, those who want to look behind the media reports, the media narrative, and see as much of a country that they know very little about um, for themselves. Um, you know, challenge their own preconceptions um, and see, you know, understand as much um, of North Korea as they can. And number three, um, those traveling for what some may call dark tourism, you know, uh, country collectors, um, people traveling to North Korea just to say that they've been there, to tell a story, to have a venture or to, 
you know, probably film a dumb blo a dumb vlog that says like, oh my gosh, I spent three days in North Korea and survived. Um, <laughs> so generally, um, man, I honestly, those clickbaity vlogs get me so much because people like me who don't make those but have like a big insight into North Korea get like no views and then people who make these vlogs having been in North Korea for like a day or two get millions ah. anyway so generally if you're part of like number one number two um categories you know interested in expanding your knowledge on a topic wanting to learn the truth um wanting to learn more about a country more about the politics blah 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 it's certainly an ethical way to travel number three for the you know for the third type I'm totally not against you either because in all honesty, although my first visit to North Korea was largely because I wanted, to, you know, in type number two, I wanted to visit the country with my own eyes, see if what the media says is really true. Um, I speak about that in episode two. Um, I'd be totally lying if my like sense of adventure and love for travel to interesting and exotic places, as well as an ambition to visit every country in the world, didn't fuel my desire to visit as well. It was a large part of why I wanted to go to North Korea. Obviously, my perceptions have changed now that I've been there, you know, I I think that that's, um, you know, it's like a sensationalist um, way to travel, blah, blah, blah. It's not the correct reason, reason to visit a country. And um, since visiting North Korea, I will never travel to a country like that again. However, at the time, I was just super excited about the story that I could tell. So, you know, these... I said at the start, like, you know, you have to be visiting there for an ethical reason. And I think even if you don't go in there with um, this ethical reason of, like, you know, wanting to learn more about the country and you are just going in there for a story, I am pretty sure that you'll come out having learned a lot more. And so, um, yeah, I think this plays into the argument um, that tourism to North Korea can be ethical. One of the one of the other things um, that I've kind of just touched on then is that you can see things for yourself, and also more importantly, have your arguments about North Korea backed up. You know, the people who have the strongest opinions on North Korea are the people who one have never been and two will never go. You know, those people that come at me with um, it being so unethical, with it being like the worst country in the world, um, you know, everyone's brainwashed, blah, blah, blah. These are the people with extremely closed off minds that have never been to North Korea and will never go to North Korea because they don't want their opinions changed. You know, they're not interested in hearing any other argument, okay? Very few people have been to North Korea, uh, but everyone seems to have an opinion on it. Why not go to North Korea? And have your opinion backed up. I have a rule that I, you know, if people talk to me in person, then, um, or, you know, even online and stuff, and they want to discuss North Korea, then, you know, I will start to discuss it with them. But I have a rule that, you know, at the end of the day, if they do want to carry on a discussion, if it's getting heated or whatever, then I don't like to carry on the discussion. Um, if they want to discuss further with me, then you can go and visit North Korea and then come back with me yeah, and then come back and chat with me because it, it's adds so much value um, and you really, you have trouble understanding a lot of the country without visiting. And I think that's true for a lot of countries in the world, but mainly true for North Korea because it is so closed off and very few information gets out. That's because 
the North Korean government, you know, they, they keep the country closed off. They keep information very secretive. But the most important things about North Korea are not like the information, the statistics, the, you know, the things, the information that's hard to get out, right? That's not what the country is really about. The country is really about the people, the culture and stuff. But this also gets wrapped up in the closed off nature of it. So just go there, you know? See things for yourself. Learn about a new political system. Learn about the country aside from the media narrative. Have some foundation for your arguments if you want to argue um, any side of anything about North Korea, whether you're arguing for or against. Finally, cultural engagement, okay? North Korea tourism actually is not just about tourism, at least to Korea tours anyway. Um, they've been working in North Korea for uh, almost 30 years, pretty much 30 years. They are... Yes, the same age as me. And this point is really important, right? Koryotors spends a large percentage of its profit on critical engagement projects that inform both the outside world on North Korea, for example, producing various documentaries on the country, filmed within the country, and also internally. Um, for example, making North Korea's first film for entertainment, um, Comrade Kim Goes Flying. You can watch that. It's it's a great film. Um, they do various sports exchanges. Um, you know, there, there's so much going on. Actually, you can visit the Choreo Tours website for this. It's choreogroup.com. And you can just look up the cultural engage engagement. Um, they have so many projects in and outside the country that is, you know, it shocks me that this stuff does not get more media attention because this is the most interesting thing about North Korea. All of these interesting things coming out of the country that, you know, we still say, oh, it's this secretive closed off state. There is so much going on that Koryotors are bringing out of the country and also bringing into the country that no one knows about. It's because it's not interesting to the media. It's not interesting to the... It doesn't play into the narrative of it being this closed off state. So no media picks up on it. North Korea basically almost won the World Cup um, in this really random time, I think in the 1960s, as, you know, no one predicted it to happen. Um, and so basically, um, North Korea, uh, sorry, Korea Tours took um, the players later on, obviously they're all very old now, they took the players out of North Korea and to the grounds where they played. It's it, it, this incredible story. No one knows about it. Ah, it's called The Game of Their Lives. It was made into a documentary. Really cool. Would recommend that you watch it. So yeah, the cultural engagement is a really important part of North Korea tourism. And to sum that little bit up, I believe that it does more good than any harm it may do. In the points covered um, at the start of this, at the start of this episode, whatever harm it may do, it's outdone by all the good that it does. And before I finish, I do want to discuss one more topic, which gets brought up. Um, it's probably the biggest argument um, that people, um, you know, hit at me when I talk about the ethics of visiting North Korea. <laughs> this is the most sensitive topic. Um, I have never, ever spoken about this publicly on social media. If anyone comments with this, I basically um, ignore it because there is no way that I can discuss this topic in just a few sentences. There's so many bits intertwined and it's very tricky and very sensitive. Um, but I feel that I can't ignore it during this episode on the ethics of visiting North Korea. So um, that topic is Otto Warmbier. 
um, whom many of you will probably have heard of before. So I don't want to give my opinion. I want to make that very, very clear that this bit of the episode is not opinion and it's not a discussion. I simply want to provide facts and more facts than um, usually what is heard in the media about this. Um, and I I don't think that it, it can be ignored. So Otto Warmbier was a American tourist who went to North Korea. He went to North Korea in um, 2015 to 2016 over the New Year's. Um, and uh, unfortunately, he never made it back to the US. He was detained um, in North Korea at the airport uh, whilst he was awaiting departure. Um, and then he was charged um, and imprisoned in North Korea um, on a charge of subversion. And now subversion, according to Wikipedia, um, refers to a process by which the values and principles of a system in place are contradicted or reversed in an attempt to transform the established social order. So basically, um, charged of going against the DPRK government, um, and they charged him on this because he stole a propaganda poster. So he was charged um, for a few years of hard labour in a prison camp, but unfortunately um, in 2017 he was repatriated, sent back to the US in a coma and then died shortly after. Obviously this is um, an absolute tragedy, any death is a tragedy, um, and certainly this one it's shook the world, it shook the world of North Korea tourism and certainly shook the world and, you know, my heart goes out to everyone involved um, in Otto's life and everyone involved in this awful tragedy. And from this, you know, um, there has been the American uh, travel van on tourists. Um, so tourists um, since then, American tourists since then are not permitted to travel to the DPRK. A lot of people, there's a lot of news out there about how um, he was tortured in North Korea and about, you know, how basically he was killed in North Korea. Now, I wanted to discuss this topic because there is a lot of misinformation about this sensitive topic. And I'm going to try as hard as possible not to give an opinion. I simply want to present more facts than what most people say. Because most people do come at me and just say, okay, North Korea killed Otto Warmbier, they tortured him, um, he was detained for no reason, blah blah blah. And I just want to add on to this narrative and give a bit of a bigger picture. Um, so, I want to look at the facts a little bit closer, basically. He went on a trip to North Korea and one evening decided to visit the fifth floor in the Angakto Hotel. Now, this floor is off limits to guests, um, but for no fun reason, you know? <laughs> like, people go there and they think, like, um, you know, people, like, might want to go there and think like, oh my gosh, you know, is it that where all the recording facilities are, where they tape your room, like, you know, where they have your room bugged and stuff like that. Like, it's not, it's not fun at all. Um, it's just basically where the staff sleep. Um, so it has a bunch of like propaganda in there. Um, there's actually a YouTube video of some people going in there, but really, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. Like, honestly, at all. It's off limits. It's nothing exciting there. Honestly, all hotels in the world have a staff only area. Would you try and go into them? in any other country, it's really not that exciting. Anyway, he goes in there, and then he took a propaganda poster from the wall. The CCTV footage um, provided is a bit patchy, but it does appear to show someone looking like him 
taking down a poster, um, and then he was stopped at the airport upon leaving. It's important to bear in mind here that, one, he was in a forbidden area, two, he took down a propaganda poster, which to the North Koreans uh, means a lot more than it's just, you know, it's not just a poster. It can be considered, as they, you know, charged him with, as a, an insult against the country, right? This is not just like taking down a random picture. This is actively, um, yeah, it's, it's an insult to the country, right? And then we also have to consider his nationality. Being American, that probably didn't serve him very well, uh, you know, since these two countries have notoriously a troubled history, to say the least. People say that he was tortured in North Korea. There was some talk about his teeth being moved, uh, you know, something like that. But not to say that this is like fake news, whatever, but um, it was then shown that a coroner then confirmed that there were actually no signs of broken bones, um, nor that any teeth had been disfigured. Um, so, you know, that's another side to things. And, you know, he was always supposed to go back. It was never the intention of the North Korean government to not send him back. He was supposed to be sentenced, um, I, I can't remember how many years it was, but he was supposed to be sentenced to a certain amount of years. Um, the North Korean government then said that he came down with uh, some kind of neurological disease and then fell into a coma. And obviously the North Korean government probably kind of freaked out. They didn't want him to um, pass away on um, their soil. So that's when they then sent him back. Obviously, it was this was not the right thing to do. Obviously, they should have given him medical treatment. They should have sent him back earlier. This never should have happened. But it's important to note that this never should have happened. It wasn't the intention for North Korea to kill him. It wasn't the intention. There was no torture. Um, none of this was ever intended. And I think that's really important. You know, the death of Otto Warmbier is an absolute tragedy. And it's important to remember that visiting North Korea is no joke. It's no holiday. It's no walk in the park. You know, I often say, I often joke that visiting North Korea is safer than Liverpool, you know, which, you know, um, I can say that I'm from Liverpool. I, you know, I said that before. Um, but in reality, on a tour, you need to follow the rules. If you are not prepared to follow the rules, then I don't recommend you go to North Korea. I don't want you to go to North Korea. Simple as. You don't go to North Korea in order to challenge these rules, to see how far you can push them. That's not what a tour to North Korea is about. If you're going in with a closed mind and you want to like challenge these rules, you want to break them, then you are not going in. Several times I have been, like at least twice on a tour to North Korea, I have been very prepared to send someone home. Because... Um, people are not following the rules and they are pushing it too far and they are putting this, themselves at risk, other people at risk, me at risk, their tour guides, the North Koreans at risk. Everyone should know the rules before they go into North Korea. Your tour company should brief you on these rules beforehand. I've spoken about how strict it is in my last episode. If you want to um, listen to that, I talk about what happens if you break these rules. In reality, it's all on an individual basis. And unfortunately, the rules that Otto Warmbier broke were deemed by the DPRK to be too big to let go. And so in terms of ethical tourism to the DPRK, I think it's important that we all note that Otto Warmbier's death was a tragedy. But 
his trip to North Korea and him being a tourist in North Korea does not represent the North Korea tour industry. There are thousands of people that travel there safely every year, at least, you know, before COVID when travel was still happening. And most people feel uncomfortable supporting a country that did what they did to Otto Warmbier. But I also think it's important that we understand this picture as a bigger picture as much as possible. Um, You have to understand it knowing and understanding various angles, not just from the media headlines that most people come at me with. And so, you know, this is one very unfortunate case, um, but there are thousands that visit annually and it can be a very safe place to visit and it can be visited ethically. So that's all that I'm going to say on the Otto Warbier topic. I haven't really done it justice and um, it's the... I hate talking about it. Um, obviously, you can sound here. I sound very awkward. Um, I don't want to say anything to offend anyone. Um, but yeah, I do think it's important that, um, you know, if you do want to find out more, obviously, I haven't got into a detail here, but you can find out a lot more if you read online. And I'm not just talking about newspapers, but have a read on it online. Um and try and get the facts, um, form your own opinion, but don't just read the headlines. So, I think with that, we can conclude this topic. We went pretty deep into a lot of things. I got pretty passionate about some stuff, and I've glad I'm glad I've had this opportunity to get it all out. Since, um, yeah, as I mentioned before, like I do a lot of interviews. I mention this sometimes, um, but I suppose it's not that sensational. So, um, yeah, it's something that. People discuss with me online a lot and now finally I have a place to point them to that, um, you know, I can't really just mention this in a few sentences. Obviously, it's taken me around an hour. So with all the backlash I get from social media, you know, recently I got called a sadist. I got called delusional, a communist, brainwashed, a puppet of the North Korean government and loads and loads more. And honestly, that is just a selection from one of my recent posts. (laughs) So, like, whilst I try to not let it get to me, it really does sometimes, um, and I do question things, um, you know, like, when you're hearing this stuff over and over again, yeah, um, but like I said at the beginning, I always come back to my logic, and I truly believe that North Korea tourism does good both inside and outside North Korea, and therefore, I will continue to promote North Korea tourism through my various channels, and I sincerely hope that you come with me one day. Um, and if you do want to see, um, you know, a, an insight into North Korea through these various social media channels, then do follow me. You can find me on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube on at Zoe Discovers or at Zoe Discovers NK. You'll also find me there on Twitter if I don't really use it. Um, obviously, there are some people who actually really do support me on social media, and they deserve a mention here. Definitely, my patrons who, you know, I could not do any of this without you. This podcast and all my other channels and videos on YouTube are made possible through their support. So I do just want to say a massive thank you to all of you. Thank you to Clark, James, Charles, Alex, Simon, James Hickman, Yusuke, Eric, Stephanie, and the Boat Dwellers. Thank you all so much. Honestly, I can't exaggerate how much I support I get from you guys. Obviously, um, it's not just uh, supporting me, you know, with 
It's not just supporting me monetarily. Obviously, that is really important because all of this takes a lot of time um, and equipment and stuff like that. But really, it's just kind of nice to get some people who do support me because I do get a lot of backlash. Um, so if you want to become a patron, you can visit my Patreon um, on my link. You can find the link in the show notes here, but you can just search me, Zoe Discovers, on Patreon. Um, I get a little, very little money from advertising and stuff like that, um, on any of my social media channels, honestly. So, um, without Patreon, I don't know how I'd keep it all going, um, especially with DPRK tourism being absolutely non-existent at the moment. So, thank you for that. If you do want to visit my Patreon, I am very, very grateful. And thank you so much for listening all the way to this point. Um, next week... We have a super exciting guest special. Honestly, I was so happy to record this. Like, I would have created this podcast just to record this episode. It was so much fun. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it coming out next week. So do tune in. Make sure to subscribe. Um, and if you can, if you have a few seconds, then do rate, like this podcast, do whatever you can. Um, share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with any frenemies. Whatever. Make sure to tune in next time and goodbye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.